Hello and welcome to July and welcome to No Prize Podcast. This is the Professor Bud Young and with me, as always, is Lucas. How are you, Lucas? Incredible to be back, man. Can't wait, man. Freaking, uh, we got some uh, hot dogs waiting on a freaking barbecue and everything. Good to go. I got my books all lined up, ready to read. Just happy to be back, Professor. Let's get into it. Yeah, well, we got we got some uh, some good comics this week. Well, I hope they were good. We'll talk about them, <laughs> and uh, we got a couple of episodes of Loki, um, mm-hmm. and, and then ramping up for um, what's next on the slate? Oh, we have Black Widow coming this week. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Finally, finally, it's been a year and a half, and I'm sure everybody is ready to just get <laughs> that off their plate and and move on. You know. Um, but uh, you know we can we could talk about that a little bit if you want. Uh, there's some been some footage that has come out, and uh, and then we got either what do you get a new Shang Chi trailer and all that stuff mm-hmm. coming soon too. So uh, let's get right into it. Let's talk about uh, Disney Plus's Loki. We have episodes three and four that dropped since the last time that we uh, we hit the air. Um, what do you what did you think? I thought so. So the third episode I thought was a bit slow. Not much going on, and uh, you know, you get maybe one big reveal was that um, the people that were working for the TVA were actual people and not created by the TVA, which right. which led to huge, huge, huge problems in episode four. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, it, so that was mostly like a buddy cop episode, right? You know, yeah. you know, just. They hate each other. They got figured everything out. No, then they're they're put in this impossible situation, and then you know as they're figuring everything out, then bits and pieces of what's actually happening are starting to get revealed. So that one was pretty darn on good. Um, I forget the name of the actress, um, but she's once again she's doing a bang up job for whoever she is. Well, let's call her Sylvie, right? Yes. Um, because right now we're still trying to figure everything out. Is she female Loki or is she the Enchantress or is she just some lady named Sylvie? You know, we're all trying to figure it out and, and it's going to be interesting in the meantime, man. Um, but uh, the the things that she's been dropping, um, it's been wild, hasn't it, man? I mean, I, I've loved it. How about you? Yeah, uh, so like I said, I th- like the third episode, I remember like, because uh, I, I watch Loki every Wednesday morning with my son, right? Like before we get spoiled by anything, I'm going to watch it as soon as it drops. And um, and I, I was watching the third episode, I was like waiting for um, waiting for something huge to happen, but they saved it all for episode four, <laughs> you know? Because episode four was, I think, probably if, if there was a pivotal moment in the series, it's that one. Um, and so, so episode three basically is, uh, Loki and Sylvie, uh, escape the TVA and end up on this planet called Lamentus one, which is, uh, probably, uh, it's, it's an apocalyptic planet with a, with a, it's, it's an apocalyptic moon with a planet ready to crash into the moon. And, um, and so the people that are living there are trying to get off and they have to, they have to get on a train and try to find a power source to recharge their, uh, their device there. Um, and so, I mean, it is kind of a plot driven episode where they have to get to point A to point B. Um, and of course everything goes wrong on the way. And, uh, and yeah, you're right. It does have a very, very much like a buddy cop feel where they start off hating each other. And then of course they, the more they learn about each other, the more they learn that, 
uh, you know, they they are the same person in kind of uh, like variant universes, right? So uh, that's yeah, that's like, kind of the weird whole thing <laughs> going on there. Um, uh, now, so so Sylvie is Loki, but it's an alternate reality version of Loki, and um, you find out later, and I think it's in episode four. Um, and they never really say it because I, I know that when when uh, Sylvie is captured in episode four and in the elevator with Ravana, and she says, um, "What was my, um, you know, what did I do? Like, what was my crime?" And uh, she said, I, "I don't remember." But if they if if you remember, they said they said earlier that the that her 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 issue was the fact that she was born female, right, and that all the other Lokis were male. So that was her problem was that her, her problem of being born a girl, which, uh, which to me, you know, I, I'll, that's a little thin, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I enjoyed it and I like the explanation of have being able to have the enchantress, but this, uh, they kind of mess it up, mess around with it in the MCU. So now the enchantress really is an alternate year, universe version of Loki. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, so let's rewind, right? Uh, you, you said it a very important point, man. You know, oh, her th- crime was that she was a female. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. She is not the first son of Odinson. First, she's not even Odinson's son. Yeah. So this is where it, it drives me nuts, right? So this is a cultural thing, right? You know, this is... Asian culture, African culture, Middle Eastern culture, right? Where you want the firstborn, whatever, to be a boy, right? Because he eventually will inherit everything. So writers who are from this country, not understanding that that is a very important thing, just wrote this piece of crap role into it, into existence, <laughs> right? Um, so now, okay, even, and even if you think think that's the thing like okay w- please explain to me why you think that she has to be born a son right because odin's had plenty of daughters right it's had hella right and oh, he's yeah. had pl- he's had plenty of sons right through thor um there's another one bored there's there's um um there, there's plenty of them out there that continues on the oldest and, and even Got to remember, Loki is not even Odinson's son, right? He's uh, an ice dwarf or, or whatever. Right? Well, the thing to remember too is that uh, Loki's gender fluid. Loki, Loki can turn female if he wants to, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's a that you know. So so when you when you kind of look at it through that lens, that's probably you know that can't be that the, the nexus event, right? It's got to be something different and there's going to be some kind of like sinister plot that Ravana is doing as, as you kind of like almost the, the, the curtain gets pulled back a little bit in episode four, you know, uh, episode three is basically there. They spend the whole entire episode running from disaster and this, right. Yeah. And, on the Mentis. Right. And that's, a, and that's an important location. Um, so, so for those who have been tracking with us as for that old event, um, no, and this is where it would have actually lined up nicely for the uh, the null invasion event, right? Um, 
one of the most important characters for the whole Nolan event was Wraith. Um, um, so let, let, let me run this. Back. So the first appearance of Lamentis was in uh, Annihilation Conquest Conquest Prologue, number one, right? Um, and that was where it was featured prominently and everything. And then that particular issue was the first appearance of Wraith. It was the first appearance of Kizar, Philavel, uh, Tencor, Daystar. I mean, a lot, a lot of great characters that play um, pretty well l- later on in the uh, in the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, cont- continuity. Um, so now, now that we have this Annihilation Conquest thing, now we know, and this eventually, you know, sets us up for any type of Annihilation Conquest storyline that the MCU was to do later on. It also sets up anything with regarding the Dark Forces, the Dark World later on. It even freaking kind of uh, sets us up for the Phalanx, right? Because that was. Uh, probably in the pro in that annihilation conquest, as well as anything to do with null. So location set, boom, and we know that something crazy happened, boom. There you go. That even if you don't care about what happened with female Loki and male Loki, that that's that's an important piece of that. Wow. So so and now now from what you're you're saying, we might actually see Lamentus again in the third Guardians of the Galaxy movie. That might actually be Book one it. of the. Yeah, that Take might be one of the set pieces. Yeah, okay, all right. So, <laughs> well, I'm a GM right now. I booked the bet. All right, <laughs> that's all right. Time. That's a, the, uh, you know, it's all connected, right? So yes, we got to figure figure uh, figure all this out. That's, that's that's an awesome shout. That's great. Um, so let so basically, so there really wasn't much to talk about about episode three because that's like I said, that was basically it. You get little uh, the little tidbit about the TVA, which that was future future candy for for episode four, which was unbelievable. I thought right. episode four was the best episode of the series so far. Um, all the characters that you kind of get to get to kind of sympathize with and, and get to know, all of them have key moments in this episode. Um, the I, and and I can't like I'm trying to remember like like step by step everything that happened, but it was just so every five minutes you were just like oh my god so uh, so they there was a nexus event the nexus event that got Loki and Sylvie rescued off of Lamentis was when they had almost like the the beginnings of a romantic moment. <laughs> which which made the nexus event spike <laughs> because of course that would be like you know and uh and so they get rescued there and and abduct and 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 put back into prison where you know uh loki ends up talking with mobius and he says you know you're a real person you're not a creation of the tva Mobius doesn't initially believe him, but after in after investigations and talking to Ravana, who is not very forthcoming and acting very suspiciously, be- believes Loki. And then uh, Mobius busts Loki out of the prison that he put him in, and immediately after they get he gets uh, caught by Ravana, and Mobius gets deleted. Right now. When that happens, that's like a huge moment in the show because people, everybody that's been deleted is gone, dead, never existed, right? And so well, now you... Well, I mean, that, that's always the question, right? Because right. 
Now, yeah. now, so there's two things, right? You know, number one is if everybody that's here, that's in this TVA world, right, are variants, you know, and you, if you can delete them or kill them or whatever, then you're not really killing the original. So whatever. But now we also figure that they also go to this other world. And I, ha- I got to go back to figure out where this other world is. Um, but that's going to be interesting as well, because right now we know for a fact that the set piece is inside that, that pink world, right? That, that extraterrestrial world where Ant-Man is always going to that quasi quantum world. I hear people saying, well, it's theory. No, that's we you read the comics. You, you know where it's at. That's, that's where the TVA hide out at. That's where they do the thing. Micronauts. Number one, read up on it. Um, so the that being said, okay, you get erased, then you go to this other place. What was all that about? You know, it, it's going to be weird. So how many more uh, episodes have we got? Two more? Uh, yeah, there's only two left. So that's, yes. I mean, there's got to be big things coming. And um, so we just kind of that, that reveal afterwards. And then immediately after that, Ravana brings Sylvie and Loki and puts them in front of the timekeepers, who we see the timekeepers for the first time. Mm. And they yeah, there's yeah. a the big yeah, the yeah. big battle happens and Sylvie ends up killing the and I want to say mm. it's the timekeeper that we've been saying looks like Kang the Conqueror, right? Mm-hmm. But now we find out <laughs> that the timekeepers are all robots. Yeah. And and that's where, you know, they say, Well, now, now who's in charge of the TVA then? And then Ravana recovers and deletes Loki, which was a huge moment. Because now you're like, well, they can't kill off Loki. So now that there's got to be something after the delete, right? Which we don't see unless you stayed through the credits and watched the after credit scene, <coughs> which was uh, just a chaos in itself where, where Loki wakes up and he says, is this hell? And then he says, uh, or am I dead? And he says, but you will be. Someone says, Someone says, you will be if you don't come with us. And then they switch. They switch the camera, and you see four different alternate universe Lokis. Yeah. We have we have original six one six Loki. I want to say that that is because he's got the old costume and he's an old mm. Loki. And you got Kid Loki, and then you get some kind of uh, th- almost like a Thor Loki, right? Because it's a a big black dude with a and he's got a hammer like Thor, yeah. right? And then you get an al- you get an alligator with the little horn hat on. <laughs> so to me, I, I, like I was just like. Uh, that was like a perfect moment because they didn't linger on the camera shot, right? It was like a two-second camera shot where you just got enough to say, what in the crap is this? <laughs> and then they just shut it off. So I, I could see where it's where it's going. This is uh, this is the multiverse, right? So yes, sir. this is this is where you I realize well, I realize this this prime timeline or the the, the sacred timeline can't stand. Right, they're gonna the, at the end of this show that is gonna be gone, and you're gonna have the multiverse with all the different Nexus events creating offshoots of realities. That's where the, all these Lokis are from, is from the alternate reality, uh, alternate universes. What's the next show that's coming out after Loki? Coming out in August. Well, we got the Black Widow movie, and then... no, on Disney Plus. Hmm, I'm not even sure. What is it? What if? 
Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. What if? And what I mean, I mean, and what the, what is the whole basis of what if? It's an it's what happens in the alternate universes. There you go. So that's, we have to look at that and say so, that's what's coming. So what I'm thinking right now is that those four Lokis that you have sitting there, they're sitting inside the actual Nexus. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. So for those don't that don't know what the Nexus is. The Nexus is not just a theory or an action or anything. The Nexus is an actual place with a bunch of portals. <clears throat> so whereas the people from the time variance, they had to have their secret machine, their little machines, and they had to open up doors and everything. No, the Nexus is a bunch of portals, and what you do is you figure out which portal you want to go to, and you just go to it, and it takes you to a different universe or a different event or a different time or whatever, whatever you need to freaking do what you got to do. Um, uh, Wanda, she was a big one when it came to the, the Nexus of events. Uh, man thing, he was a big, big one as well. Or is it a mm-hmm. swamp thing? Yeah, it's a man thing because the man, man thing, thing actually, the Nexus of all realities is in the uh, the Everglades in Florida, which is where man thing was. And uh, that's that was a lot of the uh, the cusp of Steve Gerber's Man-Thing work back in the 70s was the nexus of all realities and how things were squeaking out. That's where Howard the Duck came from, <laughs> you know. So it was just, you know, anything could pop through that nexus at any time. And that's um, that's basically, that's where they uh, that's where they got the concept that's in the MCU right now. So, yeah. You know. So that'll be interesting to see them fill it out a little bit more. Um, yeah. So, because I mean, they've been working on that for like the last two years, trying to fill that out, give a little bit more details to how it works, and it's never going to be perfect. But at least you know they're they're using it. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, that whole thing about the uh, the the three time variance keepers, the timekeepers being robots. So that that feels about right, right? Because every time she would go up to go talk to the timekeepers, I was like, well, uh, like, is she really going to talk to anybody? And then, you yeah. know, later on, it showed the eyes. It's like, oh, okay, I guess she is talking to somebody. But I know for a fact from Microsoft number one is that they weren't really a thing you could talk to. They they never really talked, right? They talked to themselves, but they never really talked to any other being. Yeah. Um, they, they would, they would communicate even in the, uh, the last one of the last nulls when uh, they killed Wraithoff, they didn't talk through anybody through themselves. They talked through another person. So they would possess the person and then have that person talk to you versus talking to you themselves, right? Because they're they're gods upon gods upon gods, right? So I had always been suspicious of who she was talking to, but now we, now we figure out what's going on, right? So you know the. So now the question is, where are the actual timekeepers? Um, where is King? Right, because that was supposed to be the whole thing of, oh, one of the timekeeper timekeepers is King. Well, <laughs> time. I mean, King. He's not the. He's not the dude to, to just sit around. Right. Yeah. He, he's the dude to go. He's the dude to be in the action, and then he just moves on. So it quite possibly could be that. At some point, Kang may have defeated the timekeepers, set these robots up because robots are totally a Kang thing, and then he rolled on to do something else to protect the timeline that he had set up. Yeah, you know, I actually think that that um, 
that we might get into some of the other weird Kang stuff. Uh, they might not, they might not reveal Kang as being the big villain of this or the person that's behind the TVA. Because honestly, I think Kang's not behind the TVA because I don't think Kang would be trying to, uh, to restore a sacred timeline, right? Kang would right. be manipulating the timeline so that he's the ruler of it. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so to me, there might be some kind of uh, some kind of other big guy. You know, perhaps maybe it's Immortus or another another aspect of King that we might see in this in this series. Where and and I still am going to stick to my theory that King is actually going to turn out to be a variant of one of the Timekeepers or maybe the main. The right. person behind the TVA. So we'll 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 see. I'm uh, I'm I'm really interested in seeing how it's going to play out. But um, I would not be. I, I would expect that by the end of episode six, or even in the probably the after credit scene, they do have a Kang reveal. Right. I mean, they almost have to. Right. So um, in the coming months, they are going to uh, well, Marvel. Uh, they are going to have a new Kang series. That's Kang number one. Um, Really? And yes, sir. They're going to have a new King series. Plus, <laughs> uh, King is going to be more involved in the Fantastic Four series. So I think it's like Fantastic Four number thirty-five or something like that. Don't quote me. Um, but the uh, and one of the solicits for that particular issue, I'm trying to remember my, right now, is uh, it talks about the different versions of King. So, hey, there's King, then there's like the Skrit, Red Scorpion, or Red Squirrelet, or whatever, and Mortis and everything. And then it mentions one of his last descendants, whose name is Scion. Um, Scion's first appearance was in Micronauts uh, Beyond the Voyage, number eight. Um, even though his first appearance was in number one. His first, in number one, he was just an egg, and then he eventually evolved and mutated into like an actual being whatever but that being has like wings or whatever but what's interesting is that the time that that time period that Micronauts Beyond the Voyage is set looks eerily similar to the backdrop for what's happening in Loki right now Hmm. Um, so I don't know what to do with that or whether that's just hey this is just the way that place always looks no matter what whether it's a hundred years or a thousand years from now don't know so that's that's something to keep an eye out as you're looking through this Loki stuff. Um, just remind, just try and match that up with King and all the other Nexus stuff that that's that's happening. Hmm. All right. So I I think we're I think we're Loki'd out. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and then we'll talk about uh, Marvel Comics for the last week. Uh, let me see this one. Let me ask you a question. Are you wanting to read a new comic book that has nothing to do with the big two? Are you tired of looking through countless titles and have no idea where to begin? Well, don't you worry because the random dude Josh and Johnny the Machine Hughes has the podcast for you. Flipside Focus, only on the Undercover Capes Podcast Network. All right. That's just a reminder to check out Flipside Focus and uh, all of the other uh, podcasts here on Undercover Capes. Um, but let's get into uh, Marvel goings on for this week. Um, there's been there was a couple of uh, 
couple of big releases. Um, we have uh, the United States of Captain America number one that has been getting some hype ahead of time before it came out. Uh, and that would be because of the first appearance of the first gay Captain America named Aaron Fisher. Um, so let's kind of break, uh, break that issue down. Um, and, uh, you know, what's, what's the big deal? I mean, uh, that is a great Alex Ross wraparound cover. Um, and, uh, you know, let's shout out Alex Ross because I mean, you see all these friggin' Norman Rockwell art pieces and you just wish you could afford one to frame and put in your house. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Marvel has been going crazy with these covers. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to uh, believe the, the message when it comes to that one, but you know it's got a story. So let's let's I mean just put it in context of what's been happening with the Marvel so far. They've been bouncing back and forth in between introducing the new characters by the name of Shum and I forget the name of the other guy, and then this weird story in which you take Captain America, or where they fill in the story with what's been happening with Captain America and. And Reed Richards during Nam and, and the Korean War and everything, which is kind of interesting, right? Because are we, are we talking Marvels now, or are we talking? Yeah, yes, the oh, Marvels. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um. And what's even interesting is that even some cohorts of Black Panther are introduced in the story as well, which which is weird upon itself because you know, Wakanda within Nam, okay. Uh, Fuck you know, but and then you also had uh, Russia, so you had Red Guardian or whoever in it as well. Yeah. Uh, so so there is that whole thing, and then you had the Shi'ar, the Shi'ar Empire, um, also showing up, um, and they, they 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 put them in there as well. So what so what they're all converging on is they they've heard about this one particular country and they don't need nobody, right? They're, they're kind of like isolationism. Um, they at one point throughout their, uh, the government and then they put in this new guy who's a dictator, right? And they're like, well, that's kind of weird because they were trying to kind of move away from communism, but now they're, they're going to isolationism. So we need to figure out what's going on. So they, so they go in and even before they go in, they've heard about these weird magical powers that the government supposedly has. Like, all right. Uh, maybe it's just a mutant, but then they converge on it and they find, find out that there's this weird, maybe like a venom pit, venom pit, or symbiote pit, or whatever you want to call it. Um, still didn't really give an explanation, but it looks, it looks like the symbiotes. And what they're doing is they're dumping animals into this pit to make make symbiotes out of them. Um, and that's that's kind of at the heart of it. They they you can. They captured the stuff. They destroyed what was going on. What was going was was going on with that, and then they turned the stuff over to the U.S. government, and then that was it. That was, and then they kind of move on. <laughs> um, and then oh, also that's apparently how you know, Reed Richards got a lot more funding for his research and everything. So that 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 was that. Um, the I, I like the Dom stories. I like the way they try to introduce and get people thinking about what's been going, what, what actually happened during the war, and where were these superheroes, and where were these big heads of industry and big heads of science during the war. I like that. Um, mm-hmm. It's just that even I even like the justification for them going in. Hey, there's something weird going on. 
You might want to go check it out. Got it. It's just the landing, the getting out of it is just kind of sloppy. That that was the only thing. It was just kind of sloppy. You got me. You had me in there. You freaking got me thinking. Yep. But then you got out of it too quick, and I and I got it because they were only trying to do these one shot stories with them. Got it. But you cut. You probably could have milked it for at least another two or three issues for me. But this this book for me um, reminds me so much of uh, Busiek's uh, Astro City. Because it's like one issue, one shot, kind of. They focus on one kind of area in uh, in the universe, and but the thing, the thing that Busiek's allowed to do here is just kind of pick up threads from literally everywhere in the Marvel universe and just do a story that he kind of wants to tell. And that's that I think is the attraction to this book um, because there's not really any kind of a main character at all and the, especially this is a, the, I think this is issue three and you've had very different focuses on the first couple of issues as compared to this one but um, Busiek's whole idea of this book The Marvels um, is that you can he can go literally anywhere on the timeline use any character he wants and tell a story that no one's heard before and to me for, for Yeah, the one confusing thing, right, is how many different plot threads and characters and stuff that he weeds out. The Shi'ar, um, Red Guardian, Winter Soldier. You get you get Reed and Ben before they're the Fantastic Four. Um, There was a there was a page there with Sue, and I I thought was Franklin. And so I'm sitting there going, did they just retcon that Franklin was alive before they got ma- before they became the Fantastic Four, and then realized it was Johnny? And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and the end, of course, it's uh, it's set 17 years in the past, um, so you have to kind of mess with the timeline, right? So it's 2021 now, so 17 years in the past is 2004. And they're running around in the jungles of, of Vietnam, which makes you think it's the Vietnam War, but it's not really. It's because, I mean, that's 30 years after that. Um, and then you have the, uh, the Monster Island creatures, you know, the Fin Fang Fooms and all the, you know, the, the, the monsters that, that were around in the old Atlas era. And, um, and he's actually he actually weaved together kind of an interesting tale with the you know using the venom pit and and he actually pulled the original Doctor Strange out of his ass, which is a, he was a one off and I, I think it was a tales of suspense issue from the early sixties late fifties, and uh, <laughs> I thought you know he he uses the history of the Marvel universe kind of adeptly with being uh, having to kind of cram things into a later time line and and have things like other characters that were that he used like Batroc and um uh Alain Racine who they don't even say is is actually the peregrine um and then you have uh, George Tarleton who's Modoc he becomes Modoc later but here they are in all their all their pre superhero pre-villain uh you know their their civilian identities before they ever anything ever happened to them so i thought this was it was a lot of fun just kind of looking at um 
oh wow, th- I, I never knew that George Tarleton did anything before he was Modoc. You know, <laughs> you know, but it but it was uh, it was really it was I think it was fun. I think for Busiek to write, and that's kind of what I think kind of pops off the page is how much fun he had doing it. You know, putting Red Guardian and Winter Soldier together, we've never seen them together, even true, though we know true. that they were uh, that they were active around the same time, um, and just uh, just being able to see things kind of forming and have this not be a what if story like this is this is Busek saying yeah all this stuff happened it's all kin and you know but i'm just going to yeah. i'm just going to play around and and do what i want i can't wait for the next issue i like uh, the last the first issue i i read which was a different timeline it was in the modern time and he actually introduced a different character who's actually the the tinkerer's son oof and but he he runs around with all these like um discarded villainous uh weapons but he's got like he he's got like someone's time gun or something and he's got <laughs> someone's someone else's goggles that let him like they give him the superpowers but they're all just gimmicks and that I, i'm like i can, i love reading about that guy because he's just kind of using the technology that he finds f- floating around in his Whatever, like his grandfather's attic or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, Shoom, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I think I think that's a great concept, and um, and you know, I, I just like I said, I, he flies around in an old fantastic car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just like this is so cool. Um, but uh, you know, uh, his Busiek's art uh, writing just kind of speaks to me. So that's what I kind of love. And I, and I love to see what he's going to do next. Um, so I would, I would highly recommend this and it's, it's worth it just for the Alex Ross covers, man. Cause yes, it is. He's just great. So absolutely, man. I, I love, I love it too. It's just little weird stuff. And with, like you mentioned, you know, they, they had to fit a lot of weird stuff into a different timeline. So I'll give them a pass on it just because it actually, made sense of what he was trying to do and with the characters that he was trying to use. So. Yeah. I mean, he does some cute little stuff in there. Like he threw the Shi'ar in there and you were like, what is the Shi'ar doing in there? We've never, we didn't see the Shi'ar until the eighties, you know, but I mean, in here it's 2004, right? So, I mean, he has to compress everything. Weird. But it makes you wonder like what kind of, you know, what kind of machinations do they have going on back then? So, I don't know. I can't wait, and I want to see. I want to see him do other things. So, uh, yeah. I hope. I hope this uh, this series doesn't get canceled with issue five. So, yeah. Uh, we'll Captain America. Yeah, yeah. The, so the United States of Captain America, like I said, uh, like I said a few minutes ago, introduction of the first gay Captain America, Aaron Fisher, um, basically uh, a, a a train hopper. What do we call? What did we call them back in the fifties? Hobos. <laughs> Yes, sir. Almost. <laughs> hey, we still got people doing the same thing nowadays. So, yeah. So, I mean, this this book is really kind of a, the, the the overall plot is they have someone dressed as Captain America running around, you know, committing crimes or whatever. Ends up ends up uh, for some reason Steve Rogers is running around in his old uh, his his shield Captain America outfit from. Uh, Civil War Two, I think, um, and I don't know why he's not in his original costume. 
Um, but then they also have, uh, you know, Falcon makes an appearance back here after Falcon hadn't really appeared in, uh, in Tinasi Coates, uh, Captain America run. Um, so good to see him back, um, and working with Captain America again. Um, but then, you know, you, he's, they're kind of trying to track down this person masquerading as Captain America. That's, uh, that's, I, I don't know really what he's doing. He's, uh, committing crimes or beating people up and he ends up stealing Caps' shield and this is, this is where they run into uh, Aaron Fisher and uh, and realize that there are people that are representing Captain America or what America means to them right so that's that's basically I think the overall story here right is right. you can like people portraying Captain America based on their vision of what America should be or their, what, what America is to them. And uh, that's where I think you're going to see, you're going to be starting to introduce a lot of other characters calling themselves Captain America, but it's, uh, it's a Captain America that they identify with, not necessarily a Steve Rogers or a Sam Wilson. Right. So, um, so that's where, I mean, I can see that's where this is going. Um, and then imagine, so I imagine Steve and Sam are going to be running around in this series, almost like background characters as they introduce these other characters. Cause now they were going to, I think they're going to introduce a, a, a native American captain America too. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you're, so it looks like maybe all 50 States are going to get a captain America. Right. All 50 States. Sort of like the 50 states Avengers, maybe all 50 states are going to get. Uh, because uh, in this particular issue, uh, the kid mentions is that in his travels on this trail line, he's, he's met other Captain Americas. Um, and what they stand for is fighting for people who can't fight for themselves, especially in this little community. Because, you know, what people don't realize is that along among the homeless and hobos, or trailer travelers, uh, it's a community, right? They try to take care of themselves as much as possible um, when they can, if they can. Uh, so this kid who is representing himself as the Captain America for this little community, <laughs> he, he at, point, at some point realized he didn't have to do it alone because there's these other ones that are, that are out there. Like I don't, Whether they have their own suits, I don't know, but apparently there's been enough that he's come across them. Um, now the other interesting thing was apparently there's somebody else out there that has been killing um, these representative Captain Americas. Um, so that was kind of interesting as well. And we already know, and spoiler alert, from some of the closing panels is that it's a female. Um, we don't know whether well, who it, who it is. They didn't. You know, all we know is we got a silhouette. So it's going to be interesting to see how they reveal who it is and what it is or any of that other stuff. What I do know is that uh, some of the covers um, for some of the next Captain Americas are kind of intriguing. I'm not going to give them, uh, put them out here. FOC is on Monday, July the 5th. <laughs> if you want to, want to check them out, but there's some definitely, definitely some interesting covers out there that could foretell what's, what's going to happen. 
Yeah, so I just want to shout out, uh, this was uh, the, written by Christopher Cantwell with uh, art by Dale Eaglesham, and I'm really glad to see Dale Eaglesham back to work because I, I loved his stuff on Legion of Superheroes, and then that's probably like, what, like 15, 20 years ago now? Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, I don't know what else he's done since then, um, but uh, this is the first time I've seen him since uh, since Legion of Superheroes, and I loved his stuff there, and his stuff is stands up today so you know good on you dale <laughs> it's always good to see some of the old heads still still kicking it still getting it <laughs> getting that work in yeah for yeah. sure for sure um all right so i mean would you recommend uh united states of captain america i mean i kind of think it's uh almost like kind of an important book i mean coming out in uh pride month you know which i'm sure this is this plan that way um but uh, I didn't. I didn't know what I didn't get. You know, the uh, one of the main characters is gay. I didn't get knocked over the head with mm-hmm. any type of craziness. So I was pleasantly surprised, right? You know, he just came in, came like, "Hey, here's the kid. This is what he's about. This yeah. is where he lines up." You know, gives us more information about what else is going on, and then let us be. That's perfect. That's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, it's, I know that they did. I know last week, which was our off week, they had the um, the voices issue that came out, and I don't know if you caught that, um, but that was an eighty-page giant that was focused on um, the gay community and gay creators and gay characters, and um, that uh, I think I think largely that issue was hit or miss. There was some really good stories in there. There were also some really bad ones, um, but I think uh, I think overall it was uh, it was successful. I just don't know, and I've said this before um, that you know it is. Imp- I think it's important for uh, the, for inclusion people to feel like they're represented in the comics. Um, I just don't know if necessarily the the fan base is actually buying the comics. Do you know what I mean? They're not. Right. <laughs> they're so, not man you know because it's like a you know what are those what do you call it those venn diagrams right where yeah. you know hey there's marvel collector there's marvel freaking comic book collectors and then there's old us older heads right and then there's uh you know the younger generation and then there's the young you know, the the gay pride the gay the, gay, the lgbtq generation right you know they're, they're, yeah and then Comics is like way over here, and like another freaking circle that's like way over there. Now, what does match up with them is the the manga community, and it, it freaking hits it, 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 it doesn't freaking judge them. It's just, it's just hey, we understand that there's different points of life for you guys. Here's your story, right? Um, but comics, once again, I've seen over and over again where comics is trying to um, match up with it and freaking try and go after that that you know that demographic mm. they're just not hitting it even in this next one that i want to talk about which is x factor is yeah. it x factor yes x factor so did you notice so so what i wanted to talk what the crazy <laughs> thing that i wanted to talk about remember when the dude is doing this the fingers yeah yeah thing? what's up with that yeah. that's manga no that's like an anime yes ah. that's anime that's that's this you know, anytime, anytime one of the guys wants to summon their powers, every single character they do something, they do something crazy with the fingers. 
So like now they got yeah. casting a spell or something. <laughs> exactly. You know? So now they got eye boy, eye boy doing. Oh my goodness! Uh, you must have laughed when you read that. I was. <laughs> I, was I didn't I, know I, what the heck he was doing. <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, "Wait, what's going on right now?" Because it's, 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 it's so overt. Like that. If you read manga as well, you're like. Wait, what's going on? You don't know whether to like it or hate it. Yeah, because it's like, but but I but I tell you what, manga people won't get it because he says he's been working on it. Uh, I haven't seen you working on it. Right. the The biggest part of manga is that you advance. You start at a shitty point, and then you you get stronger enough and you keep trying and trying and trying until you get, until you advance and then you get powerful enough to do all this stuff or at least you get you get assigned a mentor that freaking helps you out with that stuff and that mentor is like hey you're going to do this and now you're able to do this you know we we didn't get any of that with high boy hmm. so so and then you know of course you had the 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 yaoi love the man boy love in here that was an interesting aspect, but we didn't get to see it, right? We that was kind of we. It wasn't like hey, two issues ago or two weeks ago or a month ago. We there was that was a, like a big thing. Now we get to see some of the fallout from that. We didn't get to see that. No, we got basically told the whole story of what was happening with this inside this issue. So, do you think that the res- like we just we just got to see? The wrap up, because this was the last issue of X Factor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you think that the the probably what we might have actually been shown, we didn't get shown. Um, they just they just had to throw it at us because it's the last issue. Yes, they did. Uh, my goodness, they they <laughs> they threw the best story that they had in the last issue without any type of context. Yeah. They, threw, they threw all the context in the world inside this little issue. Yeah, plus they had to use the last page for the setup to Trial of Magneto, which, I mean, I'm uh, I'm pretty sure they did a Trial of Magneto back in X-Men number 200, uh, you know, 35 years ago. Uh, I don't know why we need another one, but, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, don't, don't get me twisted. There is, I mean, look, for all the gay pod stories that have been out there, this one was the one that had that was the best because it actually went after an issue. And that issue is that there are predators out there that target um, gay black men. Right? It's, yeah. it's, a, it's an ongoing problem. Um, Jeffrey Dahmer, he did that shit, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he went after young gay black man and he went after young gay Asian man and he freaking killed him and ate him and did all that stuff. I mean, I don't know if I'm supposed to be able to talk about this stuff on the MPP, but <laughs> but he's a super uh, villain. He was a super villain. He, he was a super, <laughs> super villain of all super villains. Yeah. Um but you know if once again if you're going to talk to me about you know the LGBT don't freaking just give me a freaking gala. And tell me everything's all rainbows inside the inside that community. Give me give me some of the hard gritty freaking stories, and and lay out lay out for me what's happening with the characters and that way. And I think this did it perfectly, um, 
if if you if you look at it through that lens, I, I, that's why I did liked it, and I definitely wanted to. It, it was just some of the other stuff. Yeah, you know, like the manga, the weird manga stuff, the the weird romance stuff. I didn't need that, but following this murder mystery was great. Well, so, and, and let's get, we're going to, I mean, we've already kind of opened the can of worms, so might as well just get into it. Um, like when, so when I started reading X-Men comics and when I started reading mutant, you know, stuff about mutants and Marvel, um, it wasn't okay to be gay, right? So you had to live in the closet. When when I was in high school, if you, we, if someone found out someone was gay, they would get beat up. Uh, they would get ostracized and it wasn't, it wasn't cool. You know, I'm so happy now, you know, 35 years later that, um, that the, the, the world has kind of maybe evolved a little bit. Um, but here, like the, the, and, and that was the selling point for mutant books back then was the fact that the, 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 the whole idea of being a mutant was being different. Right. And, and it was used as a metaphor for literally everything, right? Everybody identified with the X-Men because you could, anybody that was different, anybody that didn't have representation, right? So people of color identified as, as they loved X-Men, right? I mean, it, it, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, you know, from everything that, that I've experienced, everybody identified with mutants. Everybody loved the X-Men because anything that you identified with, if you were bullied in school, if there was something different, if you felt like you didn't belong, you felt like you belonged in X-Men because everybody was different. Yeah, well, I mean, everybody had that one particular character that yeah. they felt like their their life matched up to, right? Even if you didn't – even again, even if as an African-American you didn't really – fall in line with bishop even if you didn't fall in line with storm you know who you could feel kind of captured your isolationism with? Mm-hmm. wolverine right yeah because you could deal, he, deal with the anger and the you know and all the different emotions mm-hmm. you know because you know for all the isolationism and you know racism that the x-men felt inside their own walls they were kind of chippy off at Wolverine and they freaking kind of pushed him off to the side until they actually needed him. Yeah. Until they actually needed him, they didn't really want him apart. And then they're like, all right, Wolverine, come on, let's let's go fight. And that 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 context is similar very similar to how some groups, some demographics were actually treated in this country. Yeah. So I mean the the the, the and I guess the point I'm getting at now is that the mutant books now today have kind of shifted from that, you know, we're not just different because we're mutants. We're also different because there's, uh, we're, we're, we're different LGBTQ wise. Right. So Mm -hmm. now it's not, they're not so different because they can do things that we can't and they have superpowers or they have different physical traits like blue fur. Um, you know, the, the, they're different because, uh, you know, their sexual appetites are different and they identify that way. And that, that to me actually brings them more to, uh, to center. And just it, to me, it doesn't make them as different if, if that makes a sen- sense, you know, to Absolutely. me, it's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it kind of takes away from the mystique of the, of the whole, of the whole mutant, uh, I, I experience. So. 
um, you know, when you realize that you, they're, they're not so different and, or the focus isn't there, right? The focus is on how gay they are or, or how, what their sexual identity is rather than their different powers and them not being able to fit in because of that. So I think right. a lot of that focus, especially, especially this month with the Hellfire Gala where, you know, everybody's wearing these designer, uh, designer outfits and, um, and the, the, like you look at just look at the cover everything's pretty much thrown in your face that everybody's partying this entire month so yeah you know well so another interesting thing is that if you look into the characters design in this particular issue um if you are familiar with people inside the gay community you'll notice that how very similar um some of those characters are looked like some of those so for instance uh the the black character, um, Pro, uh, prodigy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He looks point on point similar to Billy Porter, who is huge, 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 huge in the gay community. Uh, when, when it comes to the, how the makeup is done, to him wearing a dress to a very big freaking gala, to the golden wings and all that, that is straight Billy Porter, um, huh. and I um, all all day every day. Um, so in a lot of these gala costumes, you know, track, track those back to the Oscars or uh, I forget the name of the, the gay pride freaking awards, track those back to some of that stuff that they've worn and then look really closely and you'll realize where they got a lot of these costumes from and the mm-hmm. looks from. Um, here, here was a surprise cameo that I didn't expect. Uh, Method Man from Wu-Tang is in there. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. He's in there. I don't know what's up with that, but that was kind of interesting. <laughs> um, but here we, here we go. So they, 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 I mean, he's he's been a big uh, advocate of comic books and comic book reading and all that. So, so I guess it was cool to get him in there. And, you know what's interesting? What's what? even more interesting about that is that you, you know. So the way to tell if the person is a mutant or not is that they have the little orchid flower. Yeah. In that panel, he does not have the orchid flower on. Oh, okay. So according to that, Method Man is a mutant inside the Marvel Universe now. Oh, okay. That's so, interesting. Keep an eye out on that one. Um, so this, but his his power is the power to rock. A, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think I think either they're going to be nominated or they already are in the freaking Rock Hall of Fame. Maybe Wu Tang is. I think so. I gotta check that out. Yeah. Or or they should be. I know I know Run DMC is. But you know. <laughs> so so speaking of rap, here's a question for you. Yeah. I don't know if you've been tracking this news. This was huge news for the comic speculator community. The uh Black Rock Group, or it's the Blackstone Group. Um they bought CGC. CGC is the comic collectibles group that whenever you want your books slapped, right, you freaking send your books off, and they put them in these nice crystal plastic cases. They examine the lines and everything, and then they assign a grade. This is like one of the biggest things in the comic speculation community because this gives value to your comic books. Now, 
a huge capital group has actually bought them. Black, black, Blackstone Group. Black, is it Blackstone or is it BlackRock? I think it's Blackstone. Black is it? Okay. Right. So, so yeah. So Blackstone is the alternative assessment. Uh, at, uh, yeah. Asset. Uh, alternative asset group. BlackRock was the original capital group that gave money to Blackstone to actually get started. So people get often get those confused. I actually had to figure it out myself last night while I was drunk, but here we go. I actually figured it out. <laughs> um, the uh, so yeah, Blackstone they are partnering with a bunch of other smaller groups to include the Rock Nation group. Rock Nation is chaired by no other than Jay Z. Hmm. For those of you who don't know who he is, he's the husband of Beyonce. I don't know how he pulled that up, but, but hey, hats <laughs> off to that that dude. I got her filled up with two babies and everything. Hey, hey, hats off to him. now now he's he's getting into the the comic book game. Um, so what does that mean for uh, for collectors? You know, is that um, you know, I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not a huge uh, slab guy, right? So, like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I, I don't have none of my comics are graded. Uh, my comics are meant to be read. I pull them out and read them. I have some, you know, I have some books that you'd probably be frightened that uh, I pulled them out and read them <laughs> instead yeah. of slabbing them. Um, but uh, you know, I, I know that's big business, though. I know that there. Are, People, people bring in their books uh, to conventions, and they they immediately they they get them signed by the creator that's there with a witness, you know, so that they know that it's authentic, uh, yeah. and 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 that whole thing. Um, but I mean, are people making thousands and thousands of dollars on eBay selling these slab books? Oh or, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's between. A slab book is the difference in between like a thousand dollars for a raw. So, for instance, um, Ultimate Fallout number four, which is the uh, first appearance of uh, Miles, Miles Morales, yeah. right? A raw, even if you say it's nine eight, that'll get you maybe a hundred bucks. Um, slabs, uh, that'll get you two thousand bucks. That is the big really. Mm-hmm. As a, you know, to me. Uh, you know, I want to. If I'm buying something, I want to be able to take it out and look at the art, look at the pictures. Once it's slabbed, you buy it. You better yeah. buy. You better buy more copies. <laughs> once it's once it's slabbed and you can't take it out, it's just wall. It's just you might as well just put it on your wall as a picture. You know, yeah, you miss yeah, it. Missing... Mine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel not like I feel like you're missing the missing the point. I know. Ooh. You know. Well, see, that's why I buy two or three copies, though. You know, uh, I'm 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 solely freaking supporting the comic book community by buying two or three copies. No, you buy you buy you buy you buy one to read, you buy one to sell, and you buy another one to just put away for retirement. <laughs> well, that's um, so maybe that's my problem, right? Because like you know, I like my Avengers four that I have up in my attic. You know, I want to be able if I want to go up there and I want to take it out. I can't just I can't just look at the cover and admire the fact that I own it. I have to take it out and I have to flip through the pages and 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 in, admire the Kirby goodness in there and be able to put it back and and put it back in its spot. And I, if it's if I slab it, 
yeah, I might know that it's worth X amount of dollars, but yeah. it's not really worth. I mean, I'm never going to, I never plan on selling it. My kids might once I croak, right? But, <laughs> and they, so, they won't care, but they'll know enough that they'll probably go get them slabbed before they sell them. You know what I mean? Well, you, you never know. So that's why I definitely heavily suggest to everybody that if you take your top five or 10 books, and at some point, just break them out for your kids. You say, hey, if anything happens to me, this is what you should do. Mm-hmm. If you don't remember anything about any others, other stuff, remember these five books. This is what you should do with them. Yeah, I have. I'm in the process of doing that with my kids. I, I'm separating. Uh, I'm actually going through my collection and grabbing key books. And even so, dude, dude, I'm like 50 years old and I've had these books in my collection for 30 something years. Some t- like I'll look at a book and I can't remember if it's a key issue or not. Right. Yeah. So like I sit there and I'm like, oh, is this the first appearance of someone, you know, and I was telling uh, I was telling Al the other day I was going through my X Factor because I had a complete run of X Factor and he's like pull out this issue first appearance of Apocalypse put out this issue you know and I'm just like okay because I'm gonna have to take your word for it because I don't remember <laughs> <laughs> I know it's there but um, but that's to me is like I I know that there's value there and right. it's just a question of well, finding well, it right so that's where CGC also comes in and like unfortunately. Like you said, the negative is that you can't freaking open it up. The positive is, is that if there's anything important, like a first appearance, mm-hmm. they will put that first appearance in the notes at the top, like a nice freaking font. So you can pull it up. Oh, hey, this is the first appearance of so-and-so, so-and-so with appearances by so-and-so. So, that's so nice thing. here's another question. Cause I mean, and I, like I said, I'm ignorant about the whole slabbing thing. Um, when you get that slabbed, is are are they is it held together by like screws or something, or how do you know if it's been tampered with or opened up or? Um, it's it's no it, well yeah so there are these clips right so once it's clipped in that's it you can't freaking unclip it and and do something else the only way to unclip it would you would break the whole case and you would see cracks along the case from when somebody tried to unclip it. Okay, so I mean, so, so the, it's tamper proof, right? right. So mm-hmm. if someone tampers with it, you'll know. And well, so what if you drop it? What if what, do you, you, <laughs> what if you drop it? Do you mess up mess up your book? Mess up your slab? You know, right? Yeah, in certain certain instances, you can return that back to uh, CGC and get it reslabbed. Okay. Uh, this, uh, do you do you think that since uh, since black is a blackstone, so blackstone acquires CGC? Do you think they might be going public? Well, you know, so well, uh, so for instance, BlackRock—they're already public. Blackstone—they are going to stay a private equity group. Here, here's where they are going to make their money off. So you know for a fact that. So I don't know if you've ever watched the Thomas Crown affair. Maybe about, maybe a million years ago when it came out. Yeah, that was that was the one about art, right? You know, uh, a guy went around the world stealing art. And then, um, you know, there was this lady who was charged with, who was an insurance claim agent, who was, uh, her job was to run around and we can chase him down and, or and find out who he was, what he was doing. And, you know, and she thought that maybe he had something to do with all the star stolen art, because if her company had to pay, pay out 
um, they would they would lose money. So she was sitting there. She eventually fell in love with the guy. Yeah, yeah. But it, it kind of explained. It was it's a definitely good movie. So I suggest that you and your wife take some time if you can watch the movie. But it definitely explained some ins and outs of the art world. Well, what does that mean for comics? Well, the Blackstone Private Group, they have access to a financial division. And that financial division, I fear in theory, would run like the uh, the Bank of America Finance Division. So Bank of America has a finance or an, an art asset finance division whereby they have an assessor that goes out to your place for your art, assesses how much that book should cost, how much you need to have it insured for, and then they take that information, they give you a certification and everything, and then with that certification, your your art is now capital to be used as collateral in a loan. And you can take out loans on your art. It'll never leave your house, but you can now take it as take it out as collateral. Hmm. So now that Blackstone is involved, you can do the same thing, right? Um, at some point, I, you would be able to do the same thing. Um, you would somebody would come over to your house, they would assess your X Men number one or whatever, and then they go back. And then now you can now take out a loan on your comic books. There are certain now. Don't get it twisted. There are certain companies out there that allow you to do that right now with with some, um, but they're not. They give you what two thousand dollars. They give you three thousand dollars. There are books out there, comic books out there that we know are worth millions of dollars that are worth uh, seventy thousand. For instance, apparently an X Men number one within the last week sold for like around seventy thousand dollars, and another one that was just a little bit worse went for thirty thousand dollars. Right. Wow. Okay. So, so imagine not having to sell your book anymore, right? To get cash, you all you would do is just put take out a loan on it, um, and you would just pay back that loan eventually, right? That's that's where the big thing comes from, and that's where we want to see this freaking happen, because you know we we are spending a lot of money on these hard copies for these books. So I would want to see that not only. I might just throw my money down well, but maybe at some point there might be some collateral to be had for these books. That's that's where the power that's where the power lies. Um, but you know, unfortunately, we still got some scumbags in the community that would want to freaking uh, you know take advantage of this, and they're going to put a sour taste in people's mouths. Um, but but we'll see we'll see what happens with all this. It would be interesting to see a lot of people loaning, uh, taking loans out on their comic book collateral and then maybe not being able to pay that loan back and having their comic books confiscated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. And then, and then what happens? What are they auction them off again? Yeah. So, uh, so for instance, and I forget where it is in Sweden, what they do is, <clears throat> you know, if you really want to like, if you wanted like revolving uh, collateral loans and everything, you you send it off to this one particular bank in Sweden. And this particular bank, when you're when you're ready, you call them and say, "Hey, yep, I am ready to auction." And they auction it off, right? And then they 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 take it downstairs, they pull it out for the new owner to look at, and then they put it back into the freaking safe, and that's it. You get to see, and that's it. And then, and then a person waits about a month, and then they, and then that person freaking auctions it, and it never leaves that freaking bank, ever. Wow, wow, ah, man. So that's, I mean, that's the deeper interest of like, I mean, hardcore collecting. You know, 
And that's uh, where we have to go. If we really, if if we want this, if we want this, uh, this hobby to evolve out more than just speculators, right? Who are just were a dying breed at this moment, anyway, right? Yeah. And we and we want to engage future future asset um, collectors and our future kids to get them more interested in. This is the way we have to go. We gotta we gotta be able to show that there's actual value in this, and this would be the absolute perfect way to, if we can do this. It's going to get brutal because now that there's an asset, a capital group, such as Blackstone, and uh, I forget the name of the asset capital group that's backing that's backing Beckett right now. Um once they start getting into this game, oh yeah, oh, yeah. there's gonna be there's gonna be hell to pay when it comes to these prices. Like I said, X Men number one maybe was maybe a ten ten thousand dollar book when the pandemic hit. But now that this is happening and now stuff is popping off at seventy thousand dollars, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, prices yeah. are just gonna go up. Oh yeah. So oh, so interesting. <laughs> Uh, I'm. I think I'm going to keep my reader copies. I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to. I don't know if I'm going to uh, take the dive into slabbing my books. So we'll yeah. see. You know, you, I, I think eventually that's where my kids. My kids will do that. You know, because they don't have the uh, the emotional attachment to the books that I do. So you know, I, I don't think that they'll have a problem slabbing the book. So that I mean, they never will have to read it. They know we're never going to read it anyway. So. Yeah. Well, um, here's what I suggest, guys: do make a a decision quickly, right? Because here, here's what happened with uh, PSA. So PSA is the company that slabs uh, sports cards, right? Um, and at the current time, they are not accepting new submissions because they are so backed up. Once, once Beckett and that new capital group came in. It was it was game over. People were just sitting in their freaking cars, Pokemon cards, trading cards, all that stuff. So it got locked up. Oh, I see. I have no problem with people slabbing trading cards because you can see the front, you can see the back. You know, yeah. <laughs> because the comic book, you, the whole idea is for you to open it and read it. So that's right. you know. But 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 what's been happening now is that because of the pandemic and people have nothing better to do, um, the waiting times for. CDC has been getting worse, right? Getting bad, right? Yeah. Like you're 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 getting two to three month wait times. It'll take them a month after it arrives there for them to actually accept your book, then two to three more months for them to actually review your book. So that that's getting crazy. So if people so if comic books becomes an asset class, remember all it is is an alter, right now it's an alternative investment. It, right. If it becomes an asset class, oh, there's going to be hell to pay. You're not going to be able to, not going to be able to pay or just send in your stuff for cheap anymore. Mm. Your, your stuff is going to raise to like 100, 150, maybe 200, 300 dollars to get your stuff slapped, and it's going to take months for it to happen. <laughs> when you and, know what and, you do, <laughs> and and you're going to have to get get insurance for your comic books now. Oh Jesus. I'm hey, I have my insurance yeah. license, so I can sell you insurance for your comic books. Hey, I I, I hear new business. <laughs> I hear that's new business. <laughs> so what we need to do is we need to uh, we need to spend a, 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 an episode just 
talking about the whole collecting side of uh, of comics and and the ins and outs and tr- and pitfalls and and what you should do to maximize the value of your collection. Absolutely, that so. shoot four to five hours on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of no prize podcast. It'll be here uh, for, you know, our late July episode. We'll be, you know, dropping in a couple of weeks and we'll have lots more to talk about. We'll talk about the wrap up of Loki next episode and, uh, and, and we'll be reviewing black widow. So there's mm. going to be a lot of nice Marvel. Maybe we might have an hour long MCU episode. So who knows? Um, but be here in a couple of weeks and we'll talk to you soon.